You tuned in to Relationship Factor, where we talk about all things relationships for millennials, moving you from a problem to solution, from functional to exceptional relationships. I'm your host, Kingsley Moyo. Hey, thanks again for downloading another episode of Relationship Factor. If we are not already connected, I hang out a lot on Instagram. Find me. Uh, the handle is Relationship Factor. Occasionally, they are dropping some relationship nuggets that will pick you up and carry you throughout the weekend. Some helpful tips on how to build healthy relationships. And today, my guest is Dr. Jolie Hamilton. Jolie is a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, an ASECT certified sex educator. Jolie is immersed in the world of educating couples, individuals on sexual issues. She helps people create partnerships that are custom built for their authentic selves. No more shrinking, pretending, or hiding required. On this episode, Jolie and I talk about how couples can get the sex that they want in their relationship. We explore things that ruin couples' sexual life and give ideas on how to transform your relationships. Join me for this conversation. Getting the sex that you want. I mean, every couple wants to have that, 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 that pleasurable, that, that optimal, that, that experience of being sexually connected with your partner. And sometimes we don't always get the sex that we want. Well, maybe some couples do, or maybe you don't get the sex that you want. But the reality is, we all want the good sex. We all want to connect intimately with our partners. Talking about getting the sex that we want. Dr. Jolie, talk to me. So any any stats or any information we have out there on couple satisfaction, on, on couple sexual satisfaction, what do we have out there? What's going on out there? It's a great question. You know, we can't answer it. You know why? First, we'd have to define what we mean when we say sex. Oh. And this is a huge, huge problem. When people do sex research and try to come up with those numbers, let's see you're watching the news and you see, you know, people are people are sexually dissatisfied, people are not having the sex, whatever, whatever stat it is. I always want to ask, who who did you ask? And did you get them to define their terms? Who is people? <laughs> yeah, who is people? And Really? So as a researcher, the first thing I have to do is define my terms. What do we mean when we say sexual satisfaction? Because I know people in sexless marriages who are perfectly satisfied because they set that agreement up, they were clear with each other, and they got what they wanted. I know lots more people who are sexually dissatisfied because they have not figured out how to have the conversations they need to have and so they let that rumble around inside of them. And then if they're part of some study or some poll asking them, what's going on? Are we sexually satisfied? Well, they don't even know what they want. So how do you answer the question? And the answer is we answer it from our feelings, right? We answer it from how we feel in that moment. A lot of studies will tell us that sexual satisfaction is waning. I think what's really happening when I hear in my office, what I see in my classrooms is that people are getting a little bit clearer on what it is they actually want, but our conversations haven't ne necessarily caught up 
we haven't started having those discussions we need to have to actually get that because knowing that there's this wide swath of sexual options can make us feel like we're missing out like we're not having what we could have right it it leaves us with that feeling of fomo right right so i'm hearing the conversation piece of uh, um um each couple needs to define it because i'm guessing we'll probably run into the problem of keeping up with the joneses People are oh, yeah. posting certain images. Maybe you're hearing your friends or your girlfriends, your boyfriends telling you that, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, me and my boo, we having good sex. And you're thinking, what's happening in my relationship? What's going on? They're defining it probably a different way than you were defining it. So, And that right. skews the stats and the information. So, Which means that we got to take that information with a grain of salt. We it do. may not be my story. Right. And... We, If you can start by just remembering that we live right now in a time when we have access to this um, this perfection persona that can, people can put out into the world, right. and we have access to see that, not in a day-to-day, not at just a, a neighborhood picnic, but every single day when we wake up and we flip through our Instagram, we can see that honeyboos are all together right, <laughs> having right, the perfect right. life, and they're on the beach, and they're having sex, and they're just so happy nobody's posting when they had a knockdown drag out fight because they can't agree <laughs> on something and nobody is posting when they're like you know what i'm not i'm masturbating today. but i'm not getting the coupled sex i want nobody's posting about that unless you happen to hang out with my friends we're mostly sex educators we actually do post about that but that is not the norm comparison is the enemy of joy in this case for sure right so it it it, it brings us back to the idea that um when we want to get the sex that we want, we need to shift the conversation as opposed yeah. to looking out there. It has to be an internal conversation where we have uh, with, 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 with whoever you're with. Yeah. Now, let's, let's talk about that, uh, getting the sex or you want. Where do we even begin? Talk to me. What do we begin about getting the sex that you the, want as a Exactly. Couple? Okay. Right. Let's go right to the very beginning because the conversation matters, but I teach people all the time how to have the conversation by beginning with ourselves. It is so easy to say, I'm not getting the sex I want, but then honest to God, I have people sit down in my office and here's a couple and they, they're saying, you know, I'm just not getting what I want. And I ask them to tell me what they want. And then there's the stammering and the and the stalling because, in fact, they don't know what they want. First, you need to get clear on what it is you're asking for because if what you're asking for is your partner to read your mind that you haven't even gotten clear on and then somehow access your sensations and give you pleasure when you don't even know how to give yourself pleasure and you want them to do all of that without you having set up for success and had the the opportunity to really talk about this, you're asking for magic and not the kind <laughs> that you create, but the kind that somebody sprinkles the fairy dust on you. We want mind readers in our relationships. Totally. <laughs> and we don't want to have to do the mind reading. So like that cuts both ways. It starts by beginning with ourselves and, and thinking about what do I want? So many times people will tell me the answer to a question, how often do you have sex? And they'll say, oh, you know, about normal. And I'm like, what is normal? What's normal? <laughs> exactly. You, you know, even when you ask in that question, um, how often do you have sex? That that question is 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 not subjective. It's 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 not objective. It's subjective. It depends on the couple. Exactly. And some couples are just too busy. Their schedule won't allow. Some couples have kids. Some couples just got 
married. Some couple are still single, and and it it just it just depends. It just depends. And define sex for me. What is sex? I sit in rooms all the time filled with sex therapists, counselors, and educators. I teach them. And when I pass out index cards and I say, okay, everybody write down your definition of sex. In that room of people who spend a lot of time thinking about sexuality. And teaching even it. Even they and teaching <laughs> it. They do not even share a single unified definition of what is sex. So then, okay, step into my office and somebody says, I'm not getting the sex I want. I say, well, what is sex for you? When does it start? How do you know you're having sex? I get a lot of wide eyes at that point because they're like, well, it's obvious. I'm like, it is not obvious. <laughs> Tell me how you define sex. Because until then, what conversation are we really having? We can't talk about quantity or quality when we don't even know what we're what we're talking about. Right. Some people are very reductionist and they're like, mm, so it's a body parts issue. If one body part is inserted into another body part, now we're having sex. But <laughs> it is so much more complicated than that because lots of people get off in lots of ways. And that's great. So what if your definition of sex doesn't align with your partners? I've had people talk to me and say, one partner says, we haven't been having sex. The other partner says, uh, yes, we have. <laughs> and I ask a set of questions and we start to realize, oh, they define sex differently. Maybe one of them counts oral sex and manual stimulation. They're like, that's sex. So we're having sex. Maybe the other only thinks of penetrative sex as sex. Maybe they have an orgasm focus. And if they're not having an orgasm, they think they're not having sex. It's but interesting. there's a lot. It's interesting you mentioned that um, each... Uh, each person in a relationship defines sex differently. And so when they come in and show up in the relationship and they, they one person may be thinking, oh, you know what? I'm getting all the sex in the world that I need. And they assume that the other person too yep. is getting the sex that they need. And the other person is not saying, well, I don't count that as sex. Yeah. Because we weren't taught to have these conversations. There is no how to love class in high school. There's barely <laughs> sex education, at least in the United States. I mean, it is tragic, the state of sex education. And even when we do have it, we just talk about how to prevent pregnancy, how to prevent STIs. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe if we're lucky, we talk about, hey, you might want to think about people's feelings and consent. <sighs> mm, yeah, it's the, a, it's, the same, it's the same in Canada. It's, it's right. no different. Yeah. And so now same. you get married. And you're supposed to just know how it all works. And you don't even know where to start. You don't even know where to start. And it's okay to feel uncomfortable. But this can actually be a huge growth point for any marriage. When we do the courageous thing, we set up the a, a culture inside our relationship. We're talking about the tender, exposed underbelly of our, mm. our sexual desires, our wants, our needs, our confusions our traumas even, sharing those discussions can be one of the biggest growth points in any marriage. So there's a lot of vulnerability there. Yeah. Because if somebody, when you talk about um, anything that's sexually related, there's a lot of vulnerability. You're letting somebody in. Mm -hmm. uh, for men, there's an ego at play. For women, there's a feeling of safety. Will I be safe? Mm -hmm. um, if I lay my cards on the table, will this woman just stomp on them? If I put myself out and open my heart, is this man going to hold me tenderly? Will I be safe? Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's like, you know what? 
I don't think so. But if you get into it, it seems like there is that, that beautiful experience that a couple can have. It can be transformative. This is so I studied Jungian psychology. So Carl Jung and, right. and mm -hmm. back in the old days, right? <laughs> I studied that professionally. It's very understudied at this point, but in that psychology, he talks about the alchemical connection of two people. The 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 chemical reaction that when any two people decide to engage psychologically, emotionally, when they really, really engage, and I would say sexually, mm -hmm. that is the opportunity for a third like for something more than the sum of its parts to become. This is this is the opportunity where we really make a third thing that has never existed before. Our relationship becomes it, it transforms us, but also something new is in the world. And it's not just the baby. A baby can be the third thing that comes right, out of right, that. Right. But it's not just that. It's also this, this energetic commingling. So now you have something more than was before. But it's really easy to have sexual contact that isn't this, this real merging of two souls, this, this energetic connection, this depth. It's easy to have sex from behind a barrier and really never really actually connect. let the other in. Yeah. Right. And that tends to be uh, the type of sex that's actually focused on orgasm. Mm -hmm. If we reach the orgasm, which means we did have sex, but there's much more in there where you can actually uh, connect and be. I like that statement that you said, um, creating this third piece. Yes. This this third piece. And that's unique to the to, to, to that to that to that couple. It, yeah. it, it, it's, it's beautiful. So we want to define what sex is. Bottom yeah. line is we, we can't in, just assume. In your couplehood. Like yeah. it's a co-creation. Yeah. This is a yeah. this is a collaborative process. And that can happen. So I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day, and he said he'd been married 25 years. I introduced this idea, and he's like, We never, we've never done that. We've never actually defined it. So he said, I'm, we're going to go have that conversation. That is where you always have the chance to level up your marriage, to have, have something that most people never get, an honest conversation where we really, really, like you said, lay your cards on the table and say, this is what I think sex is. And if you don't agree with your partner, this is where you start to co-create a definition what that works for both for of us. you. Yeah. What does it mean for us? So that, that, then it... Culturally, as a society as well, it means that we are misleading individuals or people in their sex lives because we tell people that, well, this is what you do. This is what sex looks like. But when they come into their relationship, that's not who they are. It's not their definition. They're just taking somebody else's definition and mm -hmm. bring it in and praying and hoping that it works. And if it doesn't work, it's like then something is wrong with you. Right. I it's so easy it to point it best. out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. Often we have this insecurity that we don't even recognize we have. I, I have struggled with this myself. An insecurity because I subconsciously know that I haven't dug in and really questioned and done that self-inquiry I need to to be clear about what I need. But I'm not, I feel that dissatisfaction. So then I point it outwards. And the most convenient person to point it, that at it's easy. my husband. <laughs> it's easy that way. It's easy. Totally. That way. <laughs> totally. And so when we want to, if you want to reinvent this, it takes some courage. There is a moment where you're gonna have to say, okay, I'm gonna have to own the the places where I accepted a cultural story 
and didn't do my own thinking, didn't actually decide for myself, I'm going to have to own the places where I have questions that I feel silly about not knowing the answers to. I'm going to have to just decide that it's okay to not know, to be fresh and new mm, <laughs> to right, the question of right, sex. Right, right. It's reset. And, and, and while we're talking about this idea of um, having the conversation about um, sex, what, what, where do we even begin? So I usually tell people to begin with what pleasure is for them. Okay. Start by centering pleasure. Because you said, you know, that that unsatisfying sex often comes, or that unconnected sex especially, often comes from over-focusing on orgasm. And orgasm can be problematic for lots of people for lots of reasons, for, for biological reasons, for psychological reasons, for um, stress reasons. You know, there are a million ways that orgasm can become problematic. But what about the rest of the pleasure? What about pleasure, like, right down, right down into yourself, like get into your body. How do you feel pleasure? Having some conversations with your partner about things that feel pleasurable to you is groundbreaking. It, it takes us out of this seeking for this one particular outcome, <laughs> the <laughs> orgasm, and moves us into a space where now we can have a conversation about how different touch works for us, how we might want to move with another person, how we might want to be seen by another person, because deeply connected sex is going to be about being seen, being being known, right? Mm, seen, being known. heard, understood. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 not, it's no longer a selfless act because I'm, I'm trying to see her and she's trying to see me and we're trying to see each other. So it's no longer about I or her. Right. Yeah. It, it puts you into a transcendent space, really. You have the opportunity. And at the same time, I want to say, we can also start with, what is it that I want to play with? What if we reimagined sex as playful? What if it stopped being about a particularly, you know, there's this, this very um, grown-up, seductive energy around sex. What if it were adult playfulness? playing with each other again. Like, I want to have fun. I want to have joy. I like to have my body touched this way. I like you to look at me that particular way that you look at me where I <laughs> feel seen and known, all of that. It's interesting that. because uh, that's what pleasure is. We have sex for pleasure and we've almost taken out the pleasure piece of it. If it's going to be pleasurable, it means that it needs to be also playful. We need to enjoy it, look forward to it. And there are some other mammals who join us in this playfulness, right? There are bonobo monkeys join us in that playfulness, right? Um, dolphins have been seen to, to en engage in, in sexual playfulness. There are lots of them. But when we overthink it, we get out of playfulness and we get into that fixing mode or that comparison mode. Sexual and we anxiety. want to have, yeah, then we're in anxiety. And that that is a huge buzzkill for any kind of joy, <laughs> any kind of pleasure you invite. But at the same time, I want to say that that anxiety, given the culture that we live in, where there is so much pressure on having this perfect relationship where even sex is just happening easily and purposefully and, and just it just happens. I don't have to talk about it. It just happens. Yeah, of course, anxiety enters the room. So I find permission giving, self-permission giving to be a really important factor. I need to let myself off this hook that 
you know, who said sex has to be a particular way? I ask people to go back to their early messages around sex. Right. What were you taught early on? Because Family you are of probably origin, carrying culture, this around. religion, oh, yeah. society. Yep. We carry all those messages and we're trying to decipher, okay, what does this mean? And we try and make it compact and it doesn't even fit who we are sometimes. Right. And often we were taught, we were handed a story about sex from, say, our mother, our father, our pastor, our school teacher, from our best friend. We, like All these people gave us their ideas about sex. They also handed us, subconsciously, not, not meaning to, the shame that they felt wrapped up with sex. They hand it to us as part of their story. It's transmitted. And now we wind up with our own shame stories mixed up with these, these I see it all the time in my college classrooms. They're these young people who have stories of deeply, like, in felt shame around yeah. sex that they've barely been alive long enough to accumulate that <laughs> much shame, but they're carrying it around and they're trying to, like you said, fit it all into one cohesive narrative around sex, but it doesn't fit. This is a reinvention process. We have to be willing to reinvent what sex is and really unwind the shame pieces from it. So you talk about the sex and we need to understand the piece that there is identify what pleasure is um, and really explore that pleasure piece of it. As you were talking, I'm imagining that there are some pieces that actually block pleasure and you talked about them, shame and one of those. And I'm, I'm, I'm always struck by couples that sometimes come from uh, infidelity, mm -hmm. um, couples that come from uh, sometimes even infertility can be a, a buzzkill. Um, Absolutely. Some of those things. Let's talk a little bit about those things that actually kill and how, how do we work around some of those things that have been barriers or that have kind of messed up a couple's uh, pleasure experience or sexual uh, uh, satisfaction? Yeah. So we have to remember that none of us is a blank book, right? We get to our relationship with history and then the relationship starts taking on a life of its own. You brought up two really important um, factors, some a history of infidelity or even imagined infidelity, even if you're just, you've had nerves in the past and maybe you've gotten to a good place now, but you didn't feel secure and solid in your relationship before. So there's some history and we can talk about jealousy for hours, but that's another conversation. <laughs> that's another but podcast. Stay that's tuned. another whole thing. But then, um, infertility or, um, massive um, values, trying to trying to get two people's values in alignment, like they love each other, but their values are out of out of click. Infertility, the struggle, whether you wind up with a baby at the end of that infertility or you don't, what does your sex life look like after that? It is it is not reasonable for us to expect each other to be able to satisfy each other's sexual needs without fail. It is just asking too much of ourselves. It sets so that's us a up. myth. That is a myth. That does not work. So when we talk about sexual satisfaction, let us always return to what is it I'm actually needing? What do I actually need right now? So let's let's just say someone has struggled with infidelity. How do I get back to a place where I feel safe enough to be seen and to see you? Setting up agreements is part of that, right? Mm. But also allowing yourself time to grieve, to grieve the time period in your life where you didn't have to know that you'd been cheated on. Allowing yourself to grieve it, but also allowing yourself to come to closure. If you decide to, to move forward with your relationship, 
then I encourage people to not expect full disclosure. You can't like that's a that is a that is a beast that will never be satisfied. But instead, right. decide when you are ready to move on. Ritualize it. Have a recommitment. Have a ceremony. Recommit, and then move forward together with new conversations, new agreements, and allow yourself to have grieved it and then moved forward. Same with infertility, with um, a, a death, a, like the death of a child. I mean, these yeah. things. Oh, talk about knocking you off of your marital pedestal, right? You're yeah. not going to feel safe. So we want to get ourselves back to a spot where we feel safe and when we're, where we can be vulnerable because sex is, sex is an opportunity to allow some of the veils to fall away and orgasm itself, that moment when there's like this transcendent connection to divinity, to, to, to the whatever, to the everything in that moment. If we have been feeling unsafe or abandoned or just deep, deep grief, we might avoid our own orgasm or sex just because we don't want to come close to that that sensation. That experience, it's yeah. triggering for you. It's pain. I don't want to go it's there. So big. So even though it has in the past been pleasurable, it could right now be, you know what? It's it's too it's too big. It's too much of life. I'm still in a closed place. I'm still, I still, I still feel protective. We have to be patient with ourselves, with our partners. So there's a piece when we are looking at how to get the, 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 the sex that we want, where we have to accept that, you know what, we're not always going to be getting A's all the time. Absolutely. Some day you'll get an F and that's okay. It was that F day, but we, we work towards it. We continue to talk and we, and some days you'll get an A. And it'll feel like it's the first time all over again. And so there's that piece because that takes away pressure. It does. Because there's that and pressure to deliver all the time. All the time. And if the and if the if we reimagine what the purpose of sex is, if the purpose is play, then it doesn't actually matter. Whether if, you fail or pass. You play. Right. I mean, some days our bodies aren't gonna work the same way they did before. I have I have seen this time and time again. The body itself is just like, nope. I am not playing. Not today. <laughs> not today. It's not happening. So, but in those moments, if there's laughter, if there's joy, if there's if there's kind acceptance of the, yep, this is not happening, then there's connection. And that could be an A for effort, <laughs> even if you don't get that orgasm, even if you can't have the whole picture, even if you don't have the transcendent experience. What if you showed up for each other? What if there's a moment in that sexual connection where you simply allow each other to notice, wow, this isn't really happening. Okay, you know what? Let's just lay here and hold each other and be with that and be with the, you know what? I, I don't know why it's not working today, but let's, let's say this is what we needed today and we'll try again another day. I, 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 I know you work a lot with uh, couples and probably even individuals as well that come in in your office or conversation. What are some of the... Uh the faulty or dysfunctional perceptions that men have about sex and what women have about sex. Some of the things that, that, oh yeah, that we have out there and it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's why you're not getting the sex that you want. What are some of the perceptions that we have? We make such stories. <laughs> um, when, when I see a man struggling with his, his sexuality, when, when he's struggling with, trying to actually be there for his partner but also he's he's just not feeling 
I know this this sounds crazy, right? Because guys are always safe. Guys are always <laughs> totally secure. Yeah, right? we, we, like, we, we totally, got it all made. No you know? insecurities, no anxiety. <laughs> when I see a man who's willing to question himself, like I don't I don't know that I'm experiencing pleasure. I don't know. That tells me, wow, okay, he has gotten to a point. Because what I see most frequently is that men expect themselves to live up to some cultural myth that you will always be super virile. You'll always want sex. You'll always want lots of sex. Yeah. I I have been in a relationship uh, more than a few times (laughs) where I was the partner who wanted more frequency and more duration. And yet that would tell me that the male partners I have, they're unicorns. They don't exist. They're not even real. Oh. So that would make make you some, something is wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, like, right, right. So that made me question myself. In truth, we are just incredibly unique. And the reductionist stories of what makes up what a man wants for sex and what makes up what a woman wants for sex. When we, When I see a man willing to question that story he's been told, I'm like, ooh, he is about to have the best fun of his life. <laughs> Some, a door is opening up. A door is opening. My my current husband is, he's 54 now. Um, we first got together when he was 42. And in the last 12 years, he has utterly and completely reinvented who he is and how he understands his own sexuality. And I have his permission to talk about it. He talks about it all the time too. <laughs> completely reimagined himself. And opened all those doors. And there is there is so much pleasure that now on the regular, he is aware of like like entirely new physical sensations that he didn't even know he was capable of having. He was 42 when that began. There is always so much more to unpack. Right, right. And when it comes to the ladies, well, first off, the idea that we don't want sex just for sex's sake is just not true. But... <laughs> The idea that all women want the same amount of sex or that there is, or that women want to be convinced to have sex. Nah, 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 nah. We got to move away from that. <laughs> the The conversation around gender and sexuality needs to open up and be about like, how, how, how does this couple want to engage? And how are you right now in your body? It, there is no normal. There or it's all no normal. normal. <laughs> you know, like it's, it choose. There's either there is no normal or it's all normal. They're the outliers, tr- the true outliers of sexuality are way, way out there. And they're in the places of harm. If everybody is consenting and people are doing things that are genuinely causing pleasure for each other and they're having these conversations, there's no end to what we can discover. There's it's Sky's not gonna have to get boring. It's, in- it's interesting you mentioned that piece of um uh, consenting and uh, who wants more there is there is this who initiates sex problem if if we want to call it a problem yep. um I've, I've i've had conversations with many couples um and individuals and it tends to be a place where couples get frustrated who oh, yeah. initiates how do we deal with that as couples how do we because that's a barrier in its way it is it is a barrier and this is i think this is a problem because it's a place where we can be missing each other. We we may even both want the same thing. We may want to have sex, but each couple has a sexual pattern, a pattern that we fall into. Like how 
how is sex initiated in your house, right? Um, perhaps there's a certain look on one partner's face. Perhaps there's a, a way that they touch. Um, you know, the number of times I've heard somebody say like, oh, I know because she puts her hand on my side in bed. And if she puts her hand on my side, That's okay. I know that there's an Let's invitation. So who did it? So now he takes the lead from there. But she was the one who put her hand on his side. Who initiated? She did. She did. But he probably feels like he has to put a lot of effort in from that moment. And so he may feel like he has to do the initiation because now he needs to enter into the warming up phase. We got to get got to get the pot simmering, right? We got to we got to warm up. We can't just don't jump right to you got to do all the stuff. <laughs> right. So the question of who's initiating we really have to dig in. What does it mean to invite? What about the invitation? What about the the precursor to the initiating? What about the conversations where we say, how, how do I feel approached in a way that really turns me on? Because, well, okay, here's a good one. I like the way you're flipping that. You're saying, how do I get approached in a way that turns me on? So in essence, they are open for invitation. We can say that they haven't initiated, but they are ready for it. So if, the, if that conversation, what sex looks like and what it means has been had before, the other partner knows, okay, so this is how I approach her to get her. And the other thing that I'm just thinking about, uh, Dr. Jolie, is uh, does it matter who initiates? Oh, God, no. What if she initiates all the time? What if I initiate all the time? Does it does it matter who initiates as long as we're getting to that pleasure experience? This is about this is about having that conversation and deciding that whatever works for you in your family is great. Like you are you are with your person. And if the only way I would say that that's not okay is if your partner is like, I would really, really like this to change. Okay. I would like to see it be different. And sometimes that's just an experiment. Let's say, let's say in a household, um, there's there, maybe she always initiates. I know some of you guys out there are thinking that no, that would never happen, <laughs> but I know this happens. What if she always initiates? And what if that leaves her feeling like? She's a little unwanted or unwantable. Mm. Like she has to initiate. The stories that we learn. Story. She builds up a stay story. Stay in your corner. Don't don't be overly out there. Now she feels hypersexualized. Now she actually has a lot of self doubt. Like all kinds of stuff. She could be making that up. What if she just wants to feel what it would feel like to be approached? Maybe they have a conversation about him initiating, and he does the thing, and he starts initiating, and and it starts happening. And then what if she finds out she doesn't like it? What if she just doesn't like it? Lots of people actually enjoy one side or the other in the initiation. They they may have some deep-rooted, like core erotic story where being approached is important to them or being the approacher is scary to them. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But if you dig down into that core erotic story and find out, you know what, the best way the, the absolute best way for me to be satisfied and having pleasure is for you to always initiate. So I'm asking you, would you please be the initiator? I know it's asking a thing of you, but if you would be the initiator, then here's what I'm willing to offer. And maybe that offer is, I will say yes. I will meet you there. You are going to offer yourself and I'm going to meet you there. Does that mean we're going to have full-blown orgasmic sex every time? No, it doesn't. Just because something gets initiated 
doesn't mean that it has to turn into this this orgasm seeking behavior. What if initiation just turned into let's get into sexy times, let's get into that that space where we're feeling erotic together. Maybe it goes the whole way. Maybe it simmers back down and we fall asleep. Who knows? But the initiation then stops being something that's just bothering us in the background. We actually call it out and we say, I feel like I initiate all the time. Can we have a conversation about that? Because here's how it's leaving me feeling. Your partner may not even know that you think that you initiate all the time. As I'm following you, and it's one of those uh, things where you uh, listing somebody wants to be pursued. And there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with that. So now if they get asked, you know what, I always initiate all the time. Why don't you initiate? It takes away the pleasure for them to now be the pursuer. So it's like, oh, I got to do that. Okay, yep. I'm, I'm doing it because he or she wants that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but as opposed to accepting that he wants to be pursued. Okay, all right, so... Girl, pursue yeah, him. <laughs> right. This That's about like engaging in the conversation of, hey, sometimes we're going to do something sexually for our partner that we're like, we're okay with. We're willing to consent to it, but maybe it's not our like ultimate satisfaction ourselves. There are lots of maybes. There are lots and lots of maybes. I do things with my partner because it brings him satisfaction and it's not non-consensual. This is the consensual stuff. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. Would I choose it from a list? Nah, it wouldn't make my top 10 hits, but it makes his top 10 hits. The pleasure So piece. I go there. Yeah, so I go there. That's that's the that's the space in where we can actually meet each other in our fantasies, in our pleasure stories, in the sensations we want. I see this happen most often with people who yeah, they want to be pursued. They just want to feel that pursuit. And so sometimes they they need the reminder, like, oh, right, I'm not the pursuer. I I don't do the pursuing, but he likes to be pursued. Okay, so I'm going to do that. Put it on the calendar. There is mm. nothing wrong with scheduling <laughs> Today's sex. Today's a There's... pursuing day. Exactly. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with this. We are busy. I have seven children. I have, uh, you know, school to manage, and I have a business to manage and clients to see. Yeah, I have to write it on the calendar, or things I would that, not things, remember things that we want to, we want to, we want to do, and we want to experience. We want to remember things that are important. We put them on the calendar because we don't right. want to forget. What exactly. more are relationships that we really want to grow and really we want to move from functional to exceptional? Let's put yes. it on the calendar. Yeah, let's throw out the myth that spontaneity is the gold standard of great sex. <laughs> it is not. It is not. It's not always spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. And spontaneous sex can be great, but also it can have limitations because spontaneity, well, you might not have the things you want to have with you. You might not have privacy. You might not have like, there's a reason to go ahead and set up the stage for like just the experience you want to have, you know, get the babysitter, lock the door, <laughs> set yourself up for success. The spontaneous sex that happens when that happens and everything lines up so that you wind up with that 10 out of 10 experience, that is that's luck. Rare. That's yeah, that's that's luck because everything has to fall into place. But when you set yourself up for, okay, we've got a babysitter and we 
neither one of us is, I always say, halt. You got to, no, nobody should be hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? <laughs> and, now, those are old buzz killers. <laughs> right, exactly. And now I've also been doing the erotic work myself, whatever it takes for me to get into an erotic space, whether I need to maybe do a little meditation to set down my anxiety, or maybe the house needs to be clean for me. Like maybe that's just what I need to see. Get whatever that out of it is. Your mind. Do all that stuff. Set yourself up for success because sex can be that thing between two people that really is uh, your your meeting point. But if you if you want it to just happen magically, that might happen what once a year. I I don't want magic once a year. I want magic more frequently. All the time. Than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Dr. Jolie, I know we can go on and talk about this stuff. Uh, sex is a huge topic. We only just scratched the surface and some of these things we talked about here. But thank you so much for coming through to Relationship Factor. I know you do a whole ton of stuff. You're a busy lady. Um, where can we find more information about you? What are you up to? So people can always find me at my website. That's Jolie Hamilton. So J-O-L-I and Hamilton, like the musical, nice and easy. Um, you can always find me there. And um I currently, I'm seeing people one-to-one because -one, sometimes you need to work on your relationship in that one-to-one -one space. You need to get your relationship house in order. But I'm actually also doing some group coaching right now. So there's a there's a coaching program enrolling um, in starting in July. And if people are in that space where they just want to dig in and do some work on their own, I also have a book called Project Relationship, The Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love. And the coaching is on your website? All of that. You can find all of it on my website. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Jolie, for coming through. We appreciate you. As always, once again, this is another episode of Relationship Factor. If you need more information or resources, go to relationshipfactor.org. Hey, and while you're at it, don't forget to leave us a review if you enjoyed it. Drop in a five-star review. And as always, Relationship Factor, we out. Thank you, Dr. Jolie.